Hello and welcome to Starter Set. My name is Ed Sylvester and this is no one because I am on my own this week. Yes, that's right. We've finished our We Cast Sending series arc. So now, in the interim, I bring you another Campaign Chronicles. Um, If you're new to the show and this is your first Campaign Chronicles... I thoroughly suggest you go back through the uh, body of work that we've got here and listen to the first few to bring you up to speed. So now we join Bryn, Wendy, Lagatha, Maelstrom and Kilvir as they continue their adventure and their exploration around the Undercity, right after these ads. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Ameren. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. After Wendy's somewhat grandiose entrance, the crew had finally regrouped at a table set back from the main bar area of Madame Delnet's establishment. Lagatha sipped her drink whilst Bryn scanned the room, his eyes catching Kilvis before shifting to Wendy. We need a plan, said Maelstrom finally. It pains me to say it, but I think our efforts would be better if we split up. Wendy looked up, clearly worried. What if we get chased again? she asked. Then if we get caught, they only catch one of us, replied Kilvir, to nods from the rest. Well, what about Finkus? the furbolg asked, toying with the hem of her new lace robes. I'm sure he's fine, Bryn nodded towards the door, where they'd left the unconscious coach driver in the room with the peephole. Kilvir smiled. Well, how about you stay here, Wendy? Keep an eye on our sleeping friend so that when he wakes up, he doesn't go wandering off. And besides, we can't have you running around out there dirtying your new robes now, can we? Wendy nodded quickly as Lagatha caught Maelstrom's eye. I want to talk to the woman we've hired. She nodded towards where Anna and Juliet were talking at the bar. They must see everything down here. Speaking of intelligence... Kilvir and I will go back to that bar without a name. See if we can see any of this capper or his men. Someone knows something, said Bryn to nods from Kilvir. What about you, Maelstrom? asked Wendy, finishing her drink and gesturing to the barman for a top-up, before getting to her feet. The tabaxi's tail swished and then curled up around the hilt of his sword. I'm going to get my spyglass. With that, he downed his drink and stood up. See you back here in a few hours. One by one, they nodded and got up from the table. Lagatha followed Wendy across the large open room, but split away and made for the bar as Wendy continued on towards the room where Finkus slept. There were screams and shouts as Wendy opened the wrong door but immediately slammed it shut, apologising profusely, before choosing the right one and stooping down to walk inside. Lagatha cracked a smile at this as Anna sidled up to her. Your friend is a delight, she purred. You, on the other hand, are much harder to pin down. Oh, you have no idea, replied Lagatha coldly. Are you really so encumbered by the troubles of others? 
Anna spoke carefully, her eyes not leaving Lagatha's for a moment, searching for a reaction. Oh, I know trouble, and they're not it. Lagatha nodded towards the exit, where Maelstrom, Kilvir, and Bryn were walking past Gale, the Goliath bouncer. What about you, Anna? What gives you trouble? Anna smiled pleasantly, taking two drinks from a passing barman and settling one in front of Lagatha. She picked it up and chinked it with Anna before setting it down without taking a sip. People who bring danger my way. People who think I need to be rescued. Anna moved her eyes to Juliet, who was leaning over a table nearby, chatting flirtatiously with two gentlemen in tattered blue robes. What about Juliet? Lagatha asked. You said she needed more time outside. You sure that's wise? Anna paused, and for a moment the smiling dropped. Honestly, with the things the way they are right now, I'm not sure I want to be here, let alone Juliet. But you don't need rescuing. That doesn't mean I wouldn't appreciate help from time to time, as she resumed the smiling mask. Lagatha paused and shifted herself closer to Anna. I can help you, but only if you can help me. Tell me what you know about this cat, Smiler, she said, her eyes scanning the room. Well, um, where to begin? I should say that the times here have not always been this civilised. Hard to believe, I know. The city was run by gangs or wannabe warlords till about 30 years ago. Then, along comes the Kappa, in under a week, brought order to the city. Don't get me wrong, that week was bloody to say the least, but once the dust had settled, no one challenged the ruler. Any whisper of challenge was quashed with extreme prejudice. It wasn't long after that that the money started appearing in the city, and no one has seen the Kappa since. But recently... There's been raids over his supply lines, and his men have become overly aggressive in an attempt to stop this new player. For example, your friend in the viewing room got off lightly thanks to you. Usually, the Kappa would have made an example of an individual who'd lost a supply run. Make no mistake, he's powerful, very powerful, Lagatha, and his influence is everywhere. Lagatha left Delnets and scanned the street. Checking her bow was fixed to her back, she broke into a run, getting faster and faster until she jumped and vaulted up onto the top of a tall green lean-to, some eight feet off the ground. She leapt again, her feet hitting the side of a tall building before she pushed off and somersaulted backwards onto another roof high above her. She began running again, heading north and leaping over chimney pots and gaps between buildings, unencumbered by the others or even the usual hustle and bustle of street travel. Her trip north didn't take long at all. Every so often she had to stop, dropping low to avoid detection, or else cling onto a chimney for a few minutes until eyes from the street fell away. Finally, she stopped moving to stare out over the sprawling compound that lay before her. It looked like a gated community of sorts, but instead of the lavish buildings one might expect in a gated community above ground, there were rows upon rows of shabby, single-storey houses surrounding a much larger house. Wrinkling her nose, Lagatha looked around and spotted a large bell tower, caved in at one side and leaning, ever so slightly, over the large wall that surrounded the compound. It didn't take her long to navigate over to it, and perch where the large bell had once hung. Here, she could see the larger abode at the compound centre much better. Out the front there was a grand courtyard, the floor still obscured by the ever-present knee-high fog that permeated all the outdoor spaces down here. She waited an hour, and then two more before movement caught her eye. 
guards, dressed similarly to the ones who had chased them before, began scurrying into the courtyard gates just in time to allow three large carts to pull in. It had been relatively uneventful until now, but the courtyard had burst into life. The carts were being unloaded by what looked like servants, poorly dressed with their heads down, all under the careful eyes of the guards. As the operation continued, Lagatha squinted as another figure appeared. Tall, straight-backed and walking with purpose, a cane clearly unneeded punctuating the air as the figure began moving amongst the servants and guards, undisturbed by anyone. There it is, Lagatha muttered. There's that trouble. She spent a few more hours watching the carts being unloaded before the guards opened the gates and released the carts again, falling back into patterns of patrolling the grounds. Five hours later, she yawned, turned her head towards the large pit, the same one they'd almost fallen into earlier, but there was one difference. At its centre was a large floating ship similar to the spell jammers they'd seen above ground, but with interlocking sheet metal covering its hull. It hovered in the centre before dipping down and out of sight. Lagatha closed her mouth and shook her head. More trouble. And the werewolves, don't forget those, said Kilvir, as he and Bryn walked through the dirty, fog-lined streets of the Undercity. Oh no, this is worse than that, and we could run away from them after he'd finished. We weren't trapped in the woods forever, replied Bryn. Okay, here's another one, as they rounded another corner, making for the bar with no name. Of the two underground cities we've been trapped in, I think this one is not the best, but, you know, not the worst. Well, there are at least things to do here, concluded Kilvir. There are bars, entertainment, and, um, those other drow, of course. That's got to be a bit of a nice change for you. Bryn looked around as they passed a group of the Denzians of the Undercity. It is a change, that's for sure. They arrived at the bar, finding it decidedly busier than before. Kilvir grabbed two upturned chairs, while Bryn made for the bar and ordered them two large flagons of mead. Eventually, they found themselves sat on the edge of a main bar area, watching as groups of patrons stood and sat around drinking. You know, I've been thinking, we should have killed that kobold queen, said Bryn, finally, to a snort from Kilvir. What? Think about it. After she'd captured Wendy, we went underground and fought off about 200 blights. If we could do that, then why couldn't we take on those kobold soldiers? Asked Bryn, reaching the bottom of his drink. Kilvir upturned his tankard, having reached the bottom, and shook his head. Because that druid would have gotten away and kept doing whatever he was up to with that tree. And if we'd killed the kobolds, he then would have had to look further afield for victims. But, wait, hang on, was he kidnapping them? I honestly couldn't tell you, Bryn smiled. Another? Kilvin nodded and leaned back in his chair, his eyes running up and across the nearby rooftops, fiddling with his sign of pelor. Yawning and scratching his chin, he suddenly sat bolt upright, staring straight ahead. He could have sworn that for just a second he'd seen a familiar pair of bright red eyes glowing on the top of the rooftop nearest to them. As Bryn returned his drink, he noticed another drow enter the bar, alone and walking with purpose. The dark elf made quickly for the bar, as Bryn sat down next to Kilvir. Did you see that? asked Kilvir quickly. The man that just walked in, yes, I did. No, no, I mean, uh, hang on, which man? asked Kilvir, his expression shifting as he followed Bryn's gesture towards the drow. They watched as the individual reached the bar and placed his hand on it as the barman approached. 
They made conversation for a few seconds before the drow slid one hand forwards, lifting it at the last second to reveal a note, which was just subtly hidden under a tankard by the barkeep. After that, the drow nodded curtly, turned on his heel, and walked out again. Kilvir looked at Bryn, who didn't return the look. He kept his gaze fixed on the tankard, following it as the barman slid it to one side. Kilvir took to looking around the bar for anything else out of the ordinary. After an hour or two, another drow entered the bar, again walking alone but with purpose. As he reached the bar, Bryn jumped up and grabbed their now empty tankards and made his way to the bar himself. Do have a nice day when I give the signal, he hissed at Kilvir. What? Oh, we haven't done that for a while. But Bryn was already gone, striding towards the bar. With the speed that he was walking, he managed to get to the bar just in time to hear this new drow ask for something special after a hard day. The barman nodded and reached for the tankard concealing the note. He filled it with mead and then slid it across the bar. The drow downed the drink and then set off out of the bar, at speed. It took less than a minute, but Bryn had seen everything. The barman, clearly glad to see the back of the drow, rubbed his hands together. Same again, he asked, nodding to the empties Bryn placed on the bar. Maybe, but I'd like to try something special after a hard day, he said quickly. The barman's face changed. Um, I thought that that was the last drop-off, he said in a hoarse whisper. Bryn looked around and nodded. No harm, friend. The thinking is there might be some spies in our midst. Uh, need to keep track of any communications from here on out. Said you'd be the one to do it, making copies for me to come by and pick up, of course. In exchange for, you know, a bit of gold. Well, uh, no, no, it's fine. I don't mind that. Never mind. You pop back here tomorrow about the same time and I'll have the copies made. Bryn nodded and threw the barman a gold piece. For your trouble and cooperation. I don't need to tell you that if you tell anyone else about this, my business associate over there will have no trouble impaling you on a spear of fire. He raised a tankard to Kilvir across the bar, who caught his eye and raised his hand in return, smiling politely before mouthing, Have a nice day! to the pair of them. The barman's eyes widened, and he nodded before assuring Bryn that no one else would be informed. With that, Bryn turned and strolled directly towards Kilvir, his eyes on the drow who was walking away down the nearby street. We haven't done have a nice day for ages, Kilvir began to say, but Bryn flicked his head in the direction of the drow and they both made for the exit. The drow turned a corner as the pair of them strode after him, their feet kicking up in the fog as they tried to look as casual as they could. The drow, quick on his feet, but apparently not one gifted in spotting potential threats, not once did look back over his shoulder, to the point where Kilvir and Bryn were able to close the distance rapidly. They only fell back when the drow reached the edge of a large industrial area, out in the open, striding towards a cluster of warehouses confidently. They watched from behind a nearby building as the man suddenly stopped in front of one of the warehouse walls. He looked from left to right casually before raising his hand slightly and then he began to float into the air. He rose some 30 feet into the air before gliding forwards towards the wall of the warehouse and then disappearing straight through it. Bryn and Kilvir said nothing for a full minute, neither of them daring to take their eyes off the spot where the drow had vanished. Well, um, that's certainly stranger than werewolves, sighed Kilvir as Bryn nodded glumly. We should probably head back. The others will want to hear about this.
And so we end this week's episode of Campaign Chronicles. Now, interestingly enough, next week, myself and Sam will be bringing to you something very interesting we've been working on. Um, We don't have a set title for the arc yet, but suffice to say, we'll be looking at creating our own subclasses along with yourselves. And much like Homebrew Heroes, we're going to go through our thought processes on how we've created these subclasses and then show you guys, as listeners, how you can possibly do the same things yourselves with some homebrew material. As always, roll well, and we will see you next week. Goodbye! Hey there, my name's Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of The DL Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gaming-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose. Since the dawn of time, there have been storytellers who teach through their stories. These myths give rise to fundamental truths, and these truths shape our collective experience. Yet these myths are not something of the past, and today they engage us more fully in the story itself. Video games allow us to live the lives of our favorite myths. My name is Blue Crew 86, host of Focus Fire Chat, and I want to invite you to explore our modern-day myths with us. Join with us as we explore the stories, the mythologies of the Destiny franchise, as well as other games. Let's explore together.